Hello, welcome to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. In this episode, I am so excited because I am speaking to one of my absolute favorite vegetable garden experts, Jill McSheehy from The Beginner's Garden. I use her resources and her content, her YouTube channel, her podcast. I listen to them and watch them all the time because she has such great content as far as really practical, functional, appliable (laughs) content. So, I was so excited that I was able to chat with her for this episode of the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. We spoke about fall gardening, about planning for next year, uh, pest control, all kinds of stuff. We just talked about a lot of different vegetable garden topics. So let's get started. You're listening to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. My name is Stephanie, and I am a wife, a mother of four, and the creator of the blog, Winging It on the Homestead, where I help modern mothers incorporate simple living and self-sufficiency skills and knowledge into their busy lives. My goal is to help you refocus your life towards what really matters, your family, as well as boost your confidence so you can start being more self-reliant and decrease your dependence on stores and commercial products. Join me as I share with you my appreciation for creating a homemade and homegrown life through cooking, food preservation, cooking from scratch, and making your own products, all while keeping it practical, intentional, and realistic. Hi guys, I am so excited for my guest today. This is I'm having Jill from the Beginner's Garden. She's one of my top gardening go-to people. Whenever I'm looking for uh, any information on pest control, on harvesting, on, you know, seed starting, anything like that. She is my definite go-to. She has a really awesome and informative podcast and YouTube channel. So thank you so much, Jill, for joining me today. Glad to be here. I'm excited to chat with you. So could you please um, tell us a little bit about your homestead, your garden, your home, your business, all of that? Yeah. If you could just, for those of us that don't follow you. Yeah. Yeah, well, my name is Jill McSheehy, and I live in the River Valley in Arkansas, and this is my 10th gardening season. I started my first garden, my first real garden, when I became a stay-at-home mom in 2013 with my kids who were six and two at the time, and um, in August, they will turn 16 and 12, so that a lot has changed since that first season, but the reason I started a garden was to save money on groceries because we went down to one income, and we, when we lost my income, we lost a significant amount, so I was trying to do what I could to try to help cut costs on our grocery bill, and what began as a very utilitarian, let's just grow the food, really morphed into something that I can't imagine my life being without because it's no longer just a method of growing food, but it's also my hobby and my passion. And at the time I was really struggling to find information for a brand new person who had never gardened and who didn't pay attention to my mother who did garden. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any background or anything to start out with. And so as I started learning more about gardening and enjoying it, I'm just a teacher at heart. So I just wanted to share everything I was learning, but at a level that someone who was like I was could actually understand it. So that's kind of the way the business grew in 2017. I started the podcast and have just been trying to help beginners learn how to garden like I had to. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I've had a garden for a couple of years, I'll go a couple of years off and on just because of having kids and them being born in August. And it's just, yeah. you know, 
Um, so I, that, and that's what I really love about your content is it's just so easy to digest and to apply because it's just really good information. So you said you were located. Could you um, tell me again like where you're located and what your gardening seasons kind of look like? Yeah, um, I'm near Russellville, Arkansas, which is about halfway between Little Rock and Fort Smith for those who are familiar. And I am in a zone 7B, which pretty much tells you that our minimum temperature usually gets to between zero and 10 on average in the winter time. But more important than my zone, you probably would be more interested in my growing season, which is the time between frosts. So my average first frost date, April 1st, although it's been a little later than that the last couple of years. And my, um, that was my average last frost date. And my average first frost date in the fall is November 1st. So we have quite a long growing season for summer crops. Um, but because we don't get super cold, we also have a lot of opportunity for cool season crops in the spring and in the fall, and even into the winter in many cases. So, um, we just have a lot of opportunity, but in the high heat of the summer, it can get a little bit challenging for us. So we just, that's kind of our climate in a nutshell. We get a lot of rain in the spring um, and then not so much in the summer, especially this year. So um, that's kind of the way our climate is. Yeah. So at the time of recording this, we are at the very end of July. So um, that's really what I wanted to talk with you about is kind of what we can do now at this point. And the time this airs is going to be about August, beginning of August. So what can we do now, can still do, still have time, um, that we could still have some kind of crop for the fall or the winter? Because uh, I'm in Maryland, so I'm kind of seven, um, 7A, 7B. So I was very, very similar um, climate-wise. So I'm looking to do a fall garden. And I've done a couple things, but I'm really interested in some more information with that. So what would you be doing right now in your garden for like August? Yeah, um, August is a bit tricky because it's still really hot in Arkansas. Um, even though you and I might be similar zones, I'm guessing our growing seasons are a little different. You probably can't plant as early in the spring as I can. I'm not sure your average first frost date, um, but you're probably more under the gun in the fall than I am too because of daylight, because your your days are getting shorter. Um, it, well, mine are too, but um, we might have a little bit of difference a lot of what um, you might be able to do that is tricky for me is you might actually be able to get some of your fall crops in the garden in August, whereas with us, we're still in the 90s usually all through mm -hmm. August. August, yeah, So it's yeah. kind of hard to be able to sprout <laughs> certain seeds when the soil temperature is too hot, which is something that nobody ever told me as a beginner that mm -hmm. seeds sprout based on soil temperature. And if it's too hot for like spinach that loves the cold there, it's just not going to sprout. Um, and then if you plant a transplant, like a broccoli or a cabbage or something like that, you've just got to baby it real, real well. Shade cloth is good. Um, but the sooner you can get your fall crops in the garden in August, the better you just have to be real careful with the heat, um, and, and be ready to keep the, the soil watered because in the heat, it still evaporates really fast. But if you can get those fall crops through until the temperatures break, then there's a lot of opportunity for you in the fall garden in the things that you can grow and harvest. And if you're starting a first garden, like in the fall, that's a great opportunity to learn a lot because you can honestly garden in one of the most enjoyable parts of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Gardening in September when it's not so hot. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So that's really helpful because 
I just threw a bunch of spinach seeds in my garden, which I should know, I guess that that's not going to work too well. So I guess, because I guess my thinking was not, like you said, not so much about the, the soil temp, but more like, well, it's got time to germinate. And by that time, you know, it will, I don't know. We'll see. I'm always just like, we'll see what happens kind of thing. But if I wanted to do broccoli, I should start them inside or something and then transplant them out. I would recommend that, um, especially this time of year. Um, I started mine inside on July 11th, I think. And then I'm hoping to plant them out. If, if we get kind of a not 100 degree spell in August, I would like to plant them at the the later part of August, but going back to your spinach, what you said, you'll just throw it out and learn. That's how (laughs) I did. Yeah. Because I threw my spinach out and none of them germinated. And then later I realized, okay, it's because of the soil temperature, but the thing that you'll find with spinach is you might have a few to germinate. You, you probably won't have all of them germinate if depending on your soil temperature, but you know, you don't require a whole lot. A spinach plant can get pretty large. So Mm -hmm. you may still be able to get a a harvest. You just may not have as many germinate as you thought, but yeah, going back to broccoli, cabbage, that kind of thing, I would recommend starting them indoors. But if you're a new fall gardener, at least in my area, a lot of the nurseries will have those transplants that you can buy. And that would be what I would recommend a new gardener start out with. Um, If you've never seed started indoors, buy Mm -hmm. the transplants, learn how to grow the crop. And then next year, maybe try your hand at starting them indoors. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good uh, advice. Um, what about root vegetables right now? Would you say, are you, yeah, um, you could do, you could do carrots and beets. Those are my favorite to grow. Of course, garlic will be planted right around your average first frost date, whenever that is. Um, but with, with the root crops, I've found that they're a little less sensitive to soil temperature. In fact, they'll actually germinate pretty quickly. Um, of course there always is a max, but I can get them in the ground earlier is kind of what I'm saying compared to spinach and greens and things like that. But the challenge with those is going to be keeping the soil moist. And with carrots, I will sow them into already wet soil because you want them to have that uh, moisture in contact right away. And then I like to cover them with a flat floating row cover, a floating row cover that you'll use probably to extend your season, to be able to give a few more weeks out of the broccoli harvest or whatever, toward the end of the season, you can just use that now and cover it flat and then water on top. And that way the sunlight can still penetrate that floating row cover, but it also causes that water not to evaporate as quickly because it's really important for those seeds to maintain that soil moisture, especially until they sprout. And so that's kind of a trick that I've found that has helped them sprout better, especially when the soil tends to dry out so much quicker in the heat this time of year. Oh, that's so helpful. Cause yeah, carrots have definitely been, you know, and I, I hear a lot of people, carrots just are a little bit more difficult sometimes. So that's really helpful. So just yeah. kind of covering them and keeping them, um, before they germinate. Yeah. Keeping them that soil constantly uh, moist. But the good Mm -hmm. thing is with the fall crops I've found is that carrots don't take as long to germinate as they do in the spring because the soil temperature is already warm. So if you just keep them moist, that's really the biggest thing. And then once they sprout, of course, continue to keep them moist as much as you can, but the, 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 the larger they get, the less sensitive they'll be to that, like having to babysit them with moisture all the time. And at that point, you'll want to thin out your carrot seedlings to about one to two inches apart 
And that's the key to having good roots. If they're too crowded, they're not going to grow big. And I've seen that side by side test many times. So it's kind of hard to pull those extra ones because they sprouted, but you're going to want to, or you're going to get a bunch of little carrots you won't be able to do much with. Okay. So are you really diligent in how you seed them or do you just kind of like seed them and then, and then thin them out heavily? Cause I, I have a hard time thinning out things that, that um, have germinated also. It's hard to thin them out because they're growing, but it's also hard to thin them out because if you overseed, it's a pain. So yeah. what I did this year and last year that I liked better, instead of just haphazardly tossing them out, which you can, I'm actually keeping them in rows. And then I just try not to get too heavy handed in the seating because they're so small. It's, you know, as long as I've just got one, every half inch or quarter inch or whatever, and that I'll have enough germinate to where I won't have to take so many out, but I do do them in rows, you know, maybe four inches apart or so, but it within the rows, taking out the ones where you get a final spacing of, of one to two inches Mm -hmm. is key. Okay. Are you now, for the last 10 years, do you, have you had like a methodical method to this or are you more experimental? Like how is your, the way you handle your garden? I think when I started, I followed all the rules that I could find because I wanted to know how do you do this? And then as I got a little bit of experience, I was able to see, okay, maybe I should try this. And I started learning the whys behind things. Mm -hmm. And having a little bit of experience to draw from helped me to make more informed decisions on testing different things and seeing, okay, when I, when I scattered all the the carrot seeds, that was easy at planting, but it was a pain to have to thin. So I'm going to do something different Mm. because different people like to do things different ways. I mean, Google, whether you should prune tomatoes and you'll find a hundred different reasons why or why not. And we all do things differently. And that doesn't mean that it's wrong, but what might work better for me may not work well for you. Our climates are different. And so I think knowing the basics and finding like the general rules that people suggest are good to start with. And then once you get a little bit of experience, then you can have more of an informed idea of when you should might try to break them or challenge or do something a little bit different. And then you can always learn from there, whether, okay, that was a bad idea or Hey, that worked. You just yeah. you never know. But I think you need to start out with some basic general garden yeah. principles before just heading out haphazardly. Yeah. That's a, that's really good advice. So if someone wants to look at a, maybe they're not ready for a fall garden, we probably get back to talking about a fall garden, but if they want to say like, okay, I want to have a garden next year. What are some things they could be doing now to their space, to their, their potential garden area that will help them prepare them for next spring? Yeah, I think this is a fantastic time to prepare for next spring. And the first thing you'll need to decide is if you're going to plant in raised beds or in the ground. Um, If you're doing containers, that's going to require, I mean, you're not going to really have to do a whole lot in the fall, but if you're doing raised beds, I would recommend to get the raised beds either bought or built. And I would recommend go ahead and filling them because if you fill the raised beds now, um, number one, you won't have to go to that trouble in the, the spring. They'll be almost ready to go. But number two, when you fill raised beds, they will settle, especially if you fill them with organic matter. They're going to break down and they're going to settle. And if you do that in the fall, 
then they're going to do most of their settling in the fall and in the winter. And in the spring, you can top it off with some compost and you're going to have less settling. And then that soil is, is going to be a little bit more ready for the, for your crops in the spring. Mm-hmm. That would be mm-hmm. an idea And that. And two, like when you're ready to plant, it's ready to go. That's yeah. one thing that I think we put off so many things in the spring and they were like, Oh, wow, I have a to-do list a mile long, but you can do this stuff in the fall. If you're planting in the ground, you'll just have to decide what kind of method are you going to use? Are you, do you need to till up the soil one time? You know, even if you don't, even if you want to do a no-till, but you have a whole bunch of grass, do you need to till it once? Um, what I did my first season was I decided to do the back to Eden method, which I highly recommend my mistake with the back to Eden method, which if you're not familiar, you cover the ground with, um, newspapers, you wet it down and then add compost. And then you add a lot of wood chips, whatever wood chips you can find. And then it decomposes over the winter. And then you've got a soil ready to go in the spring. I love that method. And I use it. I'll use a variation of it in my garden still with the wood chips. But my mistake was in the fall, my ground is very dry in general. And I chose a garden spot that in the spring ended up being flooded and saturated. And it's the same way every spring, but I didn't know that. So if you don't know where your, where your water puddles, if you get spring rains, then really be careful about where you, where you do all of your preparation work, because I had to completely scrap that garden after I had spent Mm -hmm. hours building up that back to to Eden method. So Mm -hmm. make sure to to site it well, like decide where you're going to put it, but also consider, you know, the slope of your land and, and will this be an ideal place for the garden if you get a lot of rain in the spring? Yeah. Oh, that's such such good advice. And I I think, well, for me, at least speaking of my experience, I I'm looking to do a more I have several beds and all that kind of stuff. I want to do another plot next year. I'm always trying to grow where it's in ground. And so I was looking at that back to Eden method sounds really great. What do you do as far as like wood chips? Is there any kind of like guidelines or suggestions you have as far as the wood chips you use or? What I got that first year was I called my tree trimming service and they happen to be in the area. And a lot of times if they're in the area, they'll drop off if they happen to be trimming trees and they'll just drop off the wood chips for free. So I got several dump truck loads. And so that worked out well. Um, that's can be kind of, um, you either get it or you don't. Mm -hmm. So I have a local lumber mill that I also can get wood chips from. So those are the two sources that I've used. I know a lot of people sign up, especially if they're more urban areas. Um, they sign up for chip drop, which if you sign up for it, you got to be ready for it to appear in your lawn (laughs) at any moment's notice, but it's free. Um, they do, they do ask if you want to donate something to help with the service of the, the chip drop. But as far as paying, you don't have to pay the the people who bring the wood chips, but that's an option too. If you go to like the back to Eden website, they have Mm -hmm. also, they have other suggestions on where you can get wood chips. Awesome. That sounds great. What are your biggest pests in your garden right now? And are they changing or, or like, I'm sure by now you have kind of a, a routine of pest maintenance. Could you just talk a little bit about, about what that looks like? Yeah. This time of year, my, my pests are, are beetles. Um, bean leaf beetles are bad grasshoppers. 
of course, you know, squash bugs, they haven't been terrible this year, but last year they were awful. So they kind of ebb and flow as far as how bad are they? Squash vine borers are very, you know, they're, they're like clockwork. I'm, I know when my squash is going to die from that. Yeah. Um, in the fall, the, uh, cross-striped cabbage worm is terrible. So I have to cover my broccoli, my cabbage, um, as soon as I plant. So those, those are the, the real ones that are nuisances. I mean, there are others that show up from time to time. There's your typical aphids, but I don't do anything about aphids because I, I want my beneficial insects to have something to eat. So mm-hmm. aphids really aren't a problem. Um, but that's, I mean, that those are the main ones, I guess. Yeah. Could you speak to the um, squash vine bars? Cause they're the ones that I'm having problems with. And I never had problems with them a couple years ago. It's like, seems like the last two years, is there any preventive measures that you, that you know of, or that you utilize? There are things that you can do to prevent them. I've tried a few and I found them to be too cumbersome and and just honestly not worth it. Um, for me, I go the lazy route and that is I plan several plantings. So what I did this year and last year that worked out well, I actually started my squash seeds indoors, which they can be a little tricky to start indoors because a lot of people start them too early. I do have a whole podcast episode on that that talks Mm. about it. Um, But that gives me a jump start on the season. So I'm able to get squash earlier because the way the squash vine borer is in it's pretty, it's pretty typical when it arrives now, different climate considerations, you know, how, how quick you more, you you warm up in the summer, it can vary a little, but for the most part, I found it to be pretty clockwork. Like I know when the boar moth is going to show up, I'm, you know, that kind of thing. So I know that I have a certain period of time where the boar moth is not going to lay eggs and I'm going to be able to get squashed. So I want to try to get those transplants in as soon as I don't have a frost. So that way I can get a quicker harvest in the spring. And then I plan on a mid season planting. And this year, when I did my mid season planting, as soon as I planted those seeds directly in the ground, I covered with insect netting. So that actually excluded the moth. And I do have to go in and hand pollinate, um, transferring the pollen from the the male flower to the female flower, because the bees aren't going to be able to do it since it's got covered with insect netting, but that's worked out for me for the mid season, just cover it completely and hand pollinate. And then I'll also do an, a third planting. So my, my method is, especially with that first planting, get a head start, get as much as I can, and then just plan on death. (laughs) (laughs) The squash vine borer is going to get it. So I just plan on it. And that's why I plan on that second planting and the third planting to hopefully get more throughout the season. That takes a lot of planning though. Could you kind of talk to like what your garden planning looks like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I usually start right around like the day after Christmas. Like as soon as I take off, take out all my Christmas decorations, I start planning my (laughs) garden and Mm -hmm. What I really want to do, I want to plan when I'm going to plant everything in my garden from early spring to my fall crops. Now, by the time fall rolls around, I do do some tweaking there, but, um, to me planning when I'm going to plant things in January is way easier than deciding, okay, let's figure out how we're going to wrap a squash vine with gauze so that they don't lay eggs. I mean, to me, that's just so much trouble in the middle of the season. That's not what I want to be doing, but I do have time to plan in the beginning of the season. And so I'll plan out my, 
spring crops and when they get planted, my summer crops when they get planted, and then succession plantings. And as I've as I've been able to start calculating and get experience with when things come out, I know when I have garden space to put new things in. And that's that's kind of something I've learned over the years how to do in my climate. Um, but it's also something that I teach in my online garden planning course, Dream to Garden, where mm-hmm. I teach people how to do that for their own climate. Because once you get an idea of when things come out, you realize you have way more opportunity to plant things throughout the season. Instead of just being that one planting and done, you have an opportunity to do a lot more. For example, a lot of people, their first planting of cucumbers mine too have died because they couldn't handle the heat. They were mature. A lot of times cucumbers will just give a lot and they're, they're kind of done. Well, knowing that I had planted a mid season planting. So while everybody else is like, what's wrong with my cucumbers? I'm like, Oh, well, my first one died a long time ago, but I've got cucumbers out my ears because I planted a second planting because I knew I would have that space available because something else came out. Yeah. So yeah, it takes a little puzzle you know, putting together, but what else are you going to do in January? Right. It's fun. (laughs) No, that's so helpful. And I guess that's something that I, you know, I I know for me personally, I need to get better at. So that's really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, after 10 years, you have this down, obviously, what are your garden goals? That's definitely, um, morphed over the years, but I think my main goal is, has really not changed. And that is, I want to grow as much as I can to last our family, as long as I can, mm-hmm. um, from the garden. So my goal every year is obviously to have a year's worth of tomato products, a year's worth of beans. Um, the list could go on this. My goal continues to be a year's worth of onions. I haven't quite gotten there yet, but I've I think I'm close, Um, (laughs) but it's always been to have, to have as many staples as I can throughout the entire year. After that though, I have over the years, as I've started enjoying gardening and also just learning, learning those things of planting and and replanting and succession planting. um, I have, I've, my goals are also just to enjoy a lot of the fresh things. And instead of worrying about preserving everything, like enjoying the watermelon that's coming out, you know, how you don't really preserve watermelon. So enjoy it while it's there. And then adding some flowers just to be able to enjoy just the, the Mm -hmm. pollinators that it brings. So I think, I think my garden goals lately has been yes, production, but I want, I, I want to also enjoy it. So I've been trying to, to put in some little things that just bring me joy that, that give me that extra bit of encouragement, especially when it can sometimes get discouraging when you have hard years. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. I could definitely see, see that. Like I'm throwing zinnias this year. I never do flowers and just the difference it makes just having some, something that is blooming when all my tomatoes refuse to turn red, you know, (laughs) at least seems like something's happening. Yeah. So uh, tell me about where my audience can find you. You mentioned um, you have a gardening course. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, um, it's called Dream to Garden, and I usually only open it in February. Although if you're on, um, if you get my emails on Fridays, if I ever do like a flash opening for some, um, at some point, um, you'll be notified of that, which you can do that at my website at journeywithjill.net. But yeah, that Dream to Garden really takes you 
to learning your particular climate, which your climate goes way beyond your zone. Your zone really doesn't dictate when you plant things. Um, it has its purpose, but a lot of people think, okay, I'm in zone this, when should I plant? And your zone has nothing to do with when you plant. Instead, I show you the different ways that you do find out when you plant your frost dates, your heat dates, which is something a lot of people don't realize. I mean, especially in this heat that so many people have experienced this year, they're like, what's going on? Well, it's because over 85 degrees, a lot of plants don't produce. So some of us have to work around those heat dates to try to get some of our crops in before that date or after that date. And then when it comes to fall gardening and winter gardening, um, there's a certain time that plants just don't grow anymore because we don't have enough daylight. So I teach you how to learn that based on your own climate. And then that way you can create a plan that works with your climate that enables you to maximize the garden space that you have for the maximum amount of time. And it may sound like a lot, but really it's more of doing the planning on the front end so that you know each week what you're going to plant. And it actually spreads out the load instead of it all being all in the spring, you have a, a larger amount of time where you're able to get stuff done. And then you also are able to get a longer harvest and it's just much more enjoyable and you get more out of your, the effort that you spend. But yeah, that's, that's usually open in, in February for those who are interested in it. Awesome. Awesome. We'll definitely be checking that out. Um, where else you, you have a podcast and a YouTube channel as well. So I'll include all the links to that. Yeah. The beginner's garden podcast and then, um, the beginner's garden on YouTube. Yep. Awesome. Well, I mean, I learned a lot so much just, just talking to you with you for a couple minutes. So thank you so much for your time for joining me today. Well, thank you and best of luck in your fall garden. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. I have a brand new guide out that is just perfect for this time of year. The ultimate fruit and vegetable seasonal guide is now available and you can grab it for free at www.savemyveggies.com. If you are like me, you have thrown away produce that you just never got a chance to use. I used to do this all the time. Especially this time of year, as my harvest starts coming in, it can be difficult to properly store everything and make sure I either preserve it in time or use it up. That's why I created this guide. This guide has everything you need to stop wasting fruits and vegetables that you either grow yourself or purchase at the store. Learn how to properly store 25 plus fruits and vegetables to help them stay fresher longer. This guide also includes a month-by-month -month seasonal timeline so you know when to stock up on inexpensive and high-quality fruits and vegetables to save you time and money. Again, you can grab that free guide at www.savemyveggies.com. As always, if you have any questions, want gardening advice, or have a topic suggestion for the podcast, please email me at info at